click. Alright, um, so I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, we were raising money for the battleground and uh, we raised a little over $1,700 for them, which is awesome. And Tibes and Offerings this month. And, you know, since we're a house church and we don't really have that many expenses, we're going to round up and give them 2000 So it's going to be cool. I'm super stoked. So just so you guys are aware that we did good things. So, yeah, anyway. I'm, yeah, I'm proud of that. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about vision. I'm very excited um, about this topic. I've been watching a lot of Miles Monroe videos recently because he talks about this a lot. I've also been uh, watching a lot of T.D. Jakes videos because he also talks about this a lot. So if you hear something um, that you feel like you've heard before tonight, you probably have. Or John C. Maxwell, yes, because I love John C. Maxwell. Um, so if you if you feel like you've heard some of this before, because you listen to those guys, you probably have. I'm not going to say that this is 100% from me. I will say it's 100% from the Lord, but uh, from other people speaking to the Lord. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Uh, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you so much for what your word says about vision, um, why we need it, where we're going, what's happening. Um, I thank you that the Bible says that without vision, the people perish, and we're going to be talking about that a lot tonight, and so um, I just pray that you speak through me, um, and that if there are any questions later on, there's an answer to them, because your presence is here. So we just thank you. And uh, we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, party foul. So, uh, as we get started, I want to ask you guys a couple questions to get you thinking. Um, the first one is, why do we need vision? Um, to answer that, You also need to be asking, do you know where you're going? Are you still questioning who you are? Are you still questioning what you're about? What purpose does your life have? And in order to understand vision, you have to ask yourself these questions because they're all related. If you don't have the answers to these questions... I would like to propose to you that it's because you lack vision in your life. Um, Proverbs 29.11 is going to be the main verse that we're going to be talking about. Typically, I have oodles and oodles of Bible verses to throw out. That is not how we're going to run this teaching because uh, I'm basically going to talk about this verse and a couple other verses that um, surround this topic. And, uh, for lack of a better term, as we talk about this verse, it's, it, to some degree, it's going to feel like we're beating a dead horse, okay? But, as we beat the dead horse, we're going to pull out more meat, okay? And it's just going to be a very meaty horse. <laughs> it was a bad, it was a bad metaphor. I regret what I just said. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. 
But um, there, there's, there's a lot of meat to this verse, okay? There's a lot of meat to this verse. Let's just stick with that. There's a lot of meat to it. We're going to get into it. Um, so Proverbs 29.11 says, Where there is no... Or 29.18, not 29.11. I'm sorry. Proverbs 29.11 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Um, so the word for vision here in the Hebrew is uh, chazon. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's a, or chazon, or I don't know. I don't know how they pronounce things. Uh, it's uh, calzones. In order to have vision for your life, eat a lot of calzones. Um, <laughs> if you want to look up the number in the Strong's, the, the number for the Strong's is H2377. Um, it is defined as a dream, revelation, or oracle of the future. Okay. What I think is interesting here is that the word law in Hebrew is Torah, which is H8451. And it is defined as a precept or statute, especially in the Deuteronomic and Mosaic law. So, here's something that I find really interesting. Especially within um, charismatic and Pentecostal denominations, they say you don't have to follow the law, but they quote this verse all the time about having a vision for your life. So this word Torah is where we get the word Torah for the first five books of the Bible, the law. And as we've talked about over the past um, several months when we were discussing covenants and and um, walk out and things like that. The new and New Testament doesn't mean brand new. It means renew, as in go back to what was previous. And what was previous? The law, right? So there are certain things in the law that we don't follow because Jesus changed it in the New Testament. However, anything that he didn't change or didn't talk about remains the same, right? So what I think is very interesting is that everyone says, where there's no vision, the people perish. You've got to get a vision for your life. But they don't follow it up with the second part of that verse, which is, if you have a vision for your life, you'll be happy because you're keeping the law. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, our ability to receive vision from God is directly related to how closely we are willing to follow God's laws for our lives. He gives us the means to receive from Him in His Word so that we have no excuse. Right? So, if you have the excuse, I don't have a vision and I don't know where to get it, you have no excuse. That's, that's, that's a BS excuse. Because it's all here. Okay? And we're going to talk about, I don't know if it's going to be tonight or if it's going to be next week, but we're going to talk about the process of like receiving a, a vision for your life from the Lord. Okay? And it's, it's, it's going to be a little long-winded, but it's going to be good, I promise. But I, I want you guys to understand that the first step in acquiring a vision for your life is being willing to look at the laws of God and keep them. Okay? Um, We could take it a step further and say, well, a lot of New Testament churches preach that you need to keep the Ten Commandments, but not the rest of the law. The Ten Commandments sum up the entirety of the law. Mm. Why wouldn't you keep them? Right? So, that's another thing entirely. Um, The word perish, and this is where things get really interesting, I think, in my opinion. The word perish is the word para, which is H6544 in the Strong's. Um, and it means to loosen or cast off restraint. It also means to perish, as in to die. 
But what I think is interesting is that it also means to loosen or cast off restraint. This has to do with self-discipline. Okay? This is why self-discipline or self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, you have vision. Where the Spirit is, there is self-control or self-discipline, and it will manifest so that you can reach your vision. Does that make sense? You follow me? Um, But if you have no vision, you will perish. You will cast off restraint. So what does that look like? If If you're wondering why you're not moving forward in your life, if, you're, if you feel like you're dying on the inside, if you feel like your life is spiraling out of control, you don't know where to go or what to do, you don't have a vision. Mm-hmm. You're perishing. You have no restraint. That's why it feels like you're going this way and that way. There's no restraint there. There's nothing to keep you anchored, right? Mm-hmm. Hebrews 6.19 says, we hold this hope as an anchor to the, to the soul. When you have vision, you have hope, and it anchors you. It keeps you from flowing to and fro in the waves, yeah. like it talks about in James. Right? So, this is why this is why the enemy believes that you're an easy target. Where there is no vision, the people perish. If you don't know what you're chasing after, if you don't know what you're running after, the enemy will target you because you're easy. Yeah. You're so easy. You flo- you you just you go to and fro. There's no restraint for you, right? Yeah. It's why it's so easy for you to sin. And why it's so hard for you to stay righteous in your life. Because you have no vision. You have nothing that you're, you're aiming towards. Um, but this shouldn't be the case. Okay? I want to encourage you guys. It's possible to get a vision so that the enemy isn't tricking you into silly things all the time. Um, a couple things about vision uh, that I think are really important. If you have something to write these down, I would write these down. I think these are really important. Um, The vision that you have for your life creates the consequences and affects how you spend your time and your resources. If you're wondering why you don't have enough money, you don't know how to save your money, it's probably because you don't have a vision. If you don't know where to invest your time and and you're just a freeloader or you spend way too much time playing video games um, or doing things that don't make sense, it's probably because you have no vision. All right. Um, a strong vision, this is something else that you can write down, a strong vision inspires passion. And this passion transforms and controls your life. Vision is the source of self-discipline. Okay? Um, I think I can safely say for the ladies, knowing many of you, talking to many of you, uh, many, many women like a man who's passionate. But you know what I found? The men who are not passionate are not passionate because they don't know what to live for. Mm. They don't know what to do. They have no plans for their life. Right? That's a dangerous thing. And we're going to talk about that next week. I have a specific section dedicated to the fellas. Um, Hopefully I'm going to say some things that the ladies will like. Um, get the guys off their booties for a little bit. uh, Or for the rest of their lives, hopefully. And that's the the general idea. Um, Another thing that you can write down, because of vision, the greatest leaders live in the present, but focus intently on how to get to the future. All right? God is a God of your present and of your future. He's not a God of your past. Mm-hmm. If you're living in the past, it's because you haven't met Jesus yet. 
You're not allowed to go back to your past unless it's because your past is under the blood of Jesus and it's redemptive. Anytime you go back to the past, you relive the past, and it's not for the sake of redemption and does not give you hope, you're being led back to the past by the enemy, mm-hmm. not by God. That's a mouthful. Okay. Um, sight, because there's a difference between seeing and vision. Yes. Okay. Um, sight is the ability to see things how they are, but vision is the ability to see how things will be. Without vision, sight has no hope. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Write this. Write this next one down. If your vision is real, there will be trials. All true visions will be tested for authenticity. Mm. And if your vision is terminated by trials, then it probably isn't authentic. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, this is something else I want you guys to write down. Because I, I, I think all of these, they're just very important. They struck me. They were, they were such good quotes. All from Miles Monroe. I'll just tell you that right now. I didn't. <laughs> did, I did not make any of these up except for um, the site and the the leadership one. I'll I'll take responsibility for those. The rest of these were Miles Monroe. Does anything uh, need anything repeated? If you're writing things down. No. Okay. Oh, the first one. Please. The the vision you have for your life creates consequences and affects how you spend your time and resources. Excuse me. All right. So, excuse me. Um, real vision is discovered when you have found something that you are willing to die for. Does that make sense? Um, it's like, because they're, they're all different types of vision. Um, and we're going to talk about how vision comes in phases next week, but I, I'm, I'm just going to say this. It's like, you don't know who you're supposed to be married to until you've found that one person that you would be willing to sacrifice and lay down everything for. Mm-hmm. Um, that person is a part of your vision for the rest of your life, if they're truly the one. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you have to form a vision around that relationship. How you want to spend time together, what you want to do as a couple, what you're aiming for, how you're going to raise your children. That's all a part of your vision as a family. Yeah. There is a There is a family side of vision. There is a job side of vision there is a work side of vision um you know and then there's there's the personal things like i want to lose weight i told my wife today i want to go on a diet now you can all hold me accountable too because <laughs> it's gonna be real oh, hard boy. for me and it's gonna it's hurt, hurt. Um, it's gonna be so fun what's that again uh, gotta go on a diet <laughs> I, I made him tell me twice <laughs> I found something worth dying for, <laughs> and so I will go on a diet. I'm willing to die. <laughs> um, you know, so there, there, there's, there's all kinds of different. Uh, because I'm musically inclined, genres of where your visions need to be. Okay, um, there are all kinds of vision genres, and we can talk about more about that next week, you know. Um, but I, there are some quotes that I found about vision that were not from Miles Monroe <laughs> uh, that I wrote down that I think are really cool. Helen Keller said, and I think this is really interesting because she couldn't see at all, right? Um, she said, the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but no vision. 
And I think that's really powerful because she had no sight whatsoever, but had huge vision for what she wanted to do with her life and did a lot. She's such a huge inspiration, right? Um, Roy T. Bennett says, great leaders create more leaders. Good leaders have vision and inspire others to help them turn vision into reality. Great leaders create more leaders, not followers. Great leaders have vision, share vision, and inspire others to create their own. So the purpose of these next couple weeks, and then on the 15th where we talk about vision as a family, our goal as, as leaders in leadership is to help you guys find visions of your own, see where you're going to be at within the body of Christ, how can we help you get there, how can, how can your vision help the church, how can we come together as a collective in unity, because the body of Christ, your identity in Christ isn't individualistic, it's unified with the rest of us, okay? Your vision is supposed to be a part of the body as a whole, and we need to see how we're going to form together and get there, because no one here is a follower, all right? Everybody here is a leader, and it's a matter of, of changing the way we think and pulling out those leadership qualities in you so that we're all leading as a whole, because everybody is called to a specific ministry. Everyone has a specific vision. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Anyone who has told you differently and says that you're destined to be a follower for the rest of your life was lying to you and under the influence of the enemy. All right, mm-hmm. I will say that right now. It is. It's very manipulative. Um, Roy T. Bennett also said, "Leaders are limited by their vision rather than by their abilities." So, yeah, isn't that good? I love that. Your limitations are only there because of your lack of vision, is essentially what he's saying. Isn't that awesome? So, dream bigger. Um, Mark Gorman said that not all dreamers are winners, but all winners are dreamers. Your dream is the key to your future. The Bible says that without a vision or a dream, a people perish. You need a dream if you're going to succeed in anything you do. Um, I've got two more. Steve Maraboli said, The best way to succeed is to have a specific intent, a clear vision, a plan of action, and the ability to maintain clarity. And then Dennis Waitley said, A dream is your creative vision in your life in the future. You must break out of your current comfort zone and become comfortable with the unfamiliar and the unknown. Aren't those good? Mm -hmm. I think they're super inspiring. I love it. All right. So, now I'm going to answer the question, why do we need vision? And I think this is very important. Um, I think all of this is really important, and I'm probably going to say that a bunch. Uh, But, vision is the root of leadership. Alright? A leader without vision isn't really a leader. Why? Because no one is going to follow a person that doesn't know where they're going or what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Right? Um... (laughs) We've, we've had people, uh, Annie and I were talking about this earlier, we've had people kind of come and go and uh, through the ministry over the years um, 
from the time that we were a youth group to the time we were a young adult group and now we're a house church, had people come and go. I think it's really interesting that most of the people who are serious about their faith, even though they left, they've come back. And I think that there's something important about that, uh, not because of who who we are personally, but because we've always just had a vision for what we were supposed to be and what we were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it's always been very clear and clear cut. Um, we also don't like to play some of the weird, like, religious games that some of the other churches like to play. So I think that is a big factor too. But I think that's because we, we keep our vision clear. Um, and the clearer your vision is, the easier it is to be a leader and the easier it is for people to follow. And if they're following, they're following in order to become leaders themselves, in order to gain vision. So, you know, every leader has to go through a season of following because, well, they need to know what vision looks like, how to achieve it, where to go to get it. And then, if you're a good leader, you don't just create more followers, you create other leaders that are able to stand alongside of you. So vision is the root of leadership. If you're going to be a good leader, part of that vision is building up other leaders. Because the world doesn't need more followers. right? We've got too many people who are brainwashed anyway. We need people who are free thinkers, who are able to think for themselves. Leaders... The thing about vision and leadership is that when a vision, when a leader has vision, they don't need outside pressure in order to achieve their vision. Their vision produces the self-discipline that they need so that they have an inner pressure, mm-hmm. right? Um, an inner drive. It's, it, and it's not even drive as in like drivenness or perfectionism. It's commitment. It's passion. That pressure inside of them, that conviction produces so much passion that they would rather die than give it up. They keep pursuing it no matter what. And if they're not pursuing it, they're dissatisfied with their life. Does that make sense? Vision is very important because it makes life narrow. Life becomes tight. And this isn't a bad thing. Alright? It just means that life is simple. And when life is simple, you don't become overwhelmed. If you're feeling overwhelmed, it may be because you don't have a vision and you say yes to everything rather than keeping your life simple enough that says, this is my vision and this is what I'm chasing after. If you're feeling overwhelmed in life, it may be because you're saying yes to everything and that's probably because you don't have a vision in your life to keep your life simple. When your life is simple, it's because you have a vision, you know what you need to say yes to, and you don't feel bad about it. Um, A lot of people feel like they have a lot to do in life, and that's not true. Do you know that? You don't have a lot to do. You have one thing to do. God's given you one vision. Do it. That's it. If you feel like you have a lot to do, it's because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Um, you only have your vision. And if you feel like you have a lot to do, then maybe you have cast off restraint because you don't have vision. Mm-hmm. Right? If you were restrained, if you were connected to your vision, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be saying yes to everything. Yeah. Um, uh, Matthew seven fourteen. Can somebody read that for me? I'll do it. Go for it. Okay. 
because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Straight is the way, right? Yeah, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Narrow is the way. Why is the way narrow? Because you have a vision, you have something to chase after, right? Um, I wish I wish he was here tonight. He's not, so I'm not going to tell you who it is. But I had a I had a counseling session earlier this week with somebody um, who's coming out of some things, and I challenged them to uh, disappoint me because this person has been so gripped by fear of man and people pleasing their entire lives that they've never had a true vision and they didn't know what they wanted to do, so they've constantly said yes to everything. And I told this person because they're they're thinking about um, life. They're thinking about uh, potentially like what they want their future spouse to look like, and this and that, and how to you know how to get their life in order. And I, I I was like, you know, it's possible that the reason why you feel this way and you feel so overwhelmed is because you don't know how to disappoint people. And there's a right way to disappoint people. You're not responsible for their disappointment, but if you never say no, you never give them a chance to learn how to get over it, and you never restrain yourself so that you have a clear-cut vision. Mm. And he was like, man, I never thought about it that way. And I was like, well, disappoint me, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> I told him, I told him too, I was like, it's going to be really hard because I just want you to do what God wants you to do. And if that's what you're doing, I'm not going to be disappointed. But I welcome it. I challenge you. Come on. Say no to me, you know. Um, and, and I think that's important that we learn how to say no. But it, Because if we can't say no, then we're never going to follow our vision and we're always going to get distracted. Right? Um, see, the, the reason why this one particular point is so important is because the greatest enemy to vision isn't bad things, it's good things. Mm-hmm. Because good things masquerade as the right thing. And the right thing will always be the good thing for you, but good things are not always the right thing. Does that make sense? Yes. You can be so distracted by doing the good thing that you don't actually do the right thing for you. Jesus said that my, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that was because he always did the right thing. He had the vision that he was willing to carry and follow through on. The reason why your yoke is not easy and your burden is not light is because you're so busy doing good things that you're not doing the right thing for you. Does that make sense? Cool. Um, (laughs) Vision determines your choices. Every choice you make brings you closer, closer or takes you away from your vision. And if someone offers you something that does not line up with your vision, you have the power to say no. You do not have to feel like you need to conform, be manipulated, or be controlled by what other people want you to do if you have a clear-cut vision of what God wants you to do. All right? Let's go to uh, Matthew 26. If if someone offers you something that does not line up with your vision, you have the power to say no. You do not have to feel obligated to be controlled, manipulated, or say yes to anything that is not that does not involve and does not line up with your vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, <laughs> I'll just get it later. It's gonna be on the it's gonna be on the the Did podcast. Like so. That was <laughs> Um, um, 
<laughs> Matthew 26, 36 through 45. Somebody want to read that for me? Matthew 26, 36 through 45. Go for it. You want to go through 46 or just through 45? You can go through 46. That's I mean, it's like it's right there, but it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, <coughs> For the rest of the chapter, it's all good. Then Jesus went with them to a place called uh, Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go. Excuse me. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Hmm. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So, leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See the hours at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So, what I want you guys to see here when we talk about choices. You can see in this moment, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's being tempted by the enemy. A lot of pressure coming at him. And Satan is essentially saying, you don't need to go to the cross, right? You don't need to follow your vision. But Jesus Jesus could, could have given up. He could have. But his vision was to please the Father. And that vision pushed him forward. In John chapter 4, I believe, Jesus says that my meat or my nutrition, my, my food, comes from doing what the Father has told me to do and pleasing Him. That should be our number one vision throughout life no matter what. Right? That's, that's like vision number one. That's staple number one. You can give up on that vision and it makes life hard. But you don't have to. If you truly have a vision, it will determine your choices and you will follow through on those choices that bring you closer to the vision. Does that make sense? Your vision is your destination in life. The word destination is where we get the word destiny from. So if you're looking for your destiny and you're like, God, what am I supposed to do? What kind of destiny do you have for me? Well, you need a vision because you need to find out where you need to be. You need to find out what your destination needs to be, and then you'll find your destiny. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, once you know where you're going, you automatically know where not to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? If, I'm, if, I, if Kate and I are going to visit her family up in Philadelphia, and I get on the interstate, I know I need to go north. So if I get on 95 South, I automatically know I took a wrong turn somewhere, and I need to turn around. Right? It's, it's an automatic thing. If my vision is to make my wife happy and she's going to be my own one and only girl, which she is, then anytime a lustful thought pops into my head or I get tempted with something like pornography or or something weird, 
whatever the enemy does, because he does tempt us with weird things, right? That's not us. Then I know that thought's stupid, and I should not, and I will not give into it. And I will go back and spend time with my wife, right? Mm -hmm. That's how that works. I automatically know what is wrong if I know that I have a vision, because my vision will tell me what is right. Right. Hebrews 12.2, would somebody go there for me? Drive this point home. You know, I think I think it's I think it's important looking around the room, seeing who's here tonight, because a lot of people who are here, there aren't a lot of people who are here, but the people who are here are people who are invested in leadership, um, people who want to be more serious about their faith, and I'm not saying that the people who will be listening to this later on the on the podcast are not that, but I think it's I think that there's a, something special about who's here tonight in particular, who's able to get this on the forefront. Because I, I think that this means a lot to a lot of people. And I think I think the Lord is doing something um, by everybody's reactions to things. So I think that this is really good. And um, I just think it's really cool. And we even have a leader from a, another church here. Um, Mike, you're out. Does, is the, uh, what's your official position? I'm the technical director for the chapel in the South location. Yep. So... He's, we've been talking a lot about vision, him and I, so this is great that he's here. So, so shout out. All of this is just like, hey, wait a minute, I, I heard that earlier this week already. I already wrote it down. This is great. I mean, I'm like so far ahead of the curve right now. Some of it. I am adding more stuff, oh, though. No, I don't know yeah, if you like, caught that. I'm just waiting for like, oh, that's new. That's too soon. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for that joy that was set before him endured the cross, uh, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right. Jesus had an opportunity to give up on his vision in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he didn't. Because his vision determined his choice, and his, his vision determined his destination. The joy that was set before him was, is why he fulfilled the vision. He determined because of the vision God gave him, that we were his joy, and that he was willing to go to hell and back to have us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, my question to you is, in your vision, are you determined to go to hell and back to make sure that it is fulfilled for the Lord? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, there's something seriously wrong. Either one, it's not really your vision, or two, there's a spirit of rebellion on you, and we need to get that thing away. <laughs> so, but that's another thing entirely. Um, this is something that I'm very passionate about. This next one. I'm very passionate about all of it, so I'm just going to keep repeating myself after each point. Uh, vision determines your friends. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, Proverbs. 18.24, I'll go ahead and read that one because I'm like right here. It says, A man that has friends must show himself friendly, and there is a brother that sticks closer, or there is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. Do you know why that friend sticks closer than a brother? Because the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. The, pre- the people you make covenant with become closer to you than your own family. Mm. 
Does that make sense? We've talked about this before. I'm, I'm going to elaborate on it um, a little bit more. The, the thing of it is, is 1 Corinthians 15 says it, bad company ruins good morals. The bad company ruins good vision. Um, you don't want to sit with small-minded people. Small-minded people will bring you down. If you want to be a success, then you cannot be friends with failures. And that doesn't mean that the people themselves are failures, but if they're sitting with the enemy and they're not willing to repent, they're not willing to get back up on the horse, they're not willing to change and make themselves better, they, as people, God does not see them as failures, but at the end of life, He will not say, well done, my good and faithful servant, which means their life is a failure. And there's a big difference between the two. Okay, I want to elaborate that. There, there is separation. We are not to see people as failures. But Jesus does call us to judge the fruit of the tree. What does the tree look like? Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you hanging out with? Mm-hmm. Um, your vision should be stimulated by your friends. Yeah. It should not be discouraged. If your friends are not willing to partner with your vision, if they are not willing to encourage you in it, then they're probably not real friends because they don't care about you. Because ultimately, your vision becomes a part of you. It is not your identity, right? But it is something that you do. Your identity determines what you do. So, you could look at it this way. If your friends aren't willing to partner with your God-given vision, then they're not willing to partner and encourage you in your identity and who God has called you to be. And that's a very dangerous thing. Because if they're not encouraging you in who you're supposed to be, then they will encourage you and who the devil wants you to be. Mm. The people that you... This is not something that uh, Miles Monroe said or any of the other people um, said. This is something that, that I wrote down as I was listening to them, mm-hmm. um, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The people that want you to abort your baby are not worth your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's look at Let's look at Mary and Elizabeth. All right. Uh, Luke 1, verses 39 through 45. Does anybody want to read that for me? You said Luke 1. 39 through 45. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill uh, country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And what is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped into my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, 
for there shall be a performance of those things that were told for told her from the Lord. What I think is really interesting is that John the Baptist is the first person ever to be filled with the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. as a baby. <laughs> Before forgiveness is given out freely, and Jesus says, here, receive the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, in the womb, is filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what the scripture says, right? Which is technically a fetus. Which is technically a fetus. You're welcome. Which, if we're going to get on this subject of abortion, if you want some battle tactics, the word fetus is a Latin word that means baby human. So therefore, their argument that it's just a fetus is rendered invalid because fetus itself means baby human. That's besides the point. Uh, it is a great point. The point I'm trying to make with vision, though, is that, is that if your friends are truly your friends and you give them their, your vision and it's truly inspired by God, the Holy Spirit in them will jump for joy and they will recognize a true vision and they will encourage you in it. Yeah. Right? Mary had not told anyone about what had happened between her and the Lord yet and her and the angel. And yet, when Mary showed up to see Elizabeth, because the Holy Spirit told her to go see Elizabeth, right? When Mary showed up to see Elizabeth and said, Hello, Elizabeth immediately knew. You're carrying the child of God. There's a vision in you. Mm-hmm. How many of your friends, when you've told them what you want to do with your life, where you want to go, trying to figure out how to get there, how many of them have discouraged that? Mm-hmm. How many of them have said, that dream is too big, you'll never achieve that? Mm-hmm. They're not of God. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. It's not good. You need godly people who are willing to recognize the vision and the call of God on your life. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're always called to ministry in the same way that I am or the same way that pastors of like big churches are or whatever. But what that does mean is that you do still have a ministry. You do still have a call. You do still have a vision and someone needs to recognize it. And that person will be a friend. If they're, if, if, if that person is not your friend and they recognize it, boy, you better make them your friend. And if your friends do not recognize it, you better find some new friends. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Because the thing about it is, is that you can outgrow your friends. Yep. Your friends may not want to say that. <laughs> your friends may not want to ever admit that. Um, I've outgrown plenty of friends. Yeah. Uh, plenty, plenty of friends. I, I, I'm willing... Um, I can probably count... Uh, I probably have... It used to be much smaller, but as as I grow and as I talk to people and connect with people, I feel like the numbers are getting bigger because I feel like I'm meeting like more godly people that are on the same page, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think I think I probably have about twenty close, really close friends that encourage me in the vision that God has given me for my life. Yeah. Um, four of them. Yeah, four of them. I don't count my wife because one flesh, but um, <laughs> she is the best friend that I could ever have. Uh, four of them are obviously on the leadership team um, with Kate and I, and then I, I have others spread out. And honestly, I, I count um, everybody who comes here and gets invested in what we're doing here. Um, 
as a very, very, very close acquaintance. When I say friend, I mean, I mean somebody that like I've locked arms with and I've walked with for a good while. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, yeah. if you want to be friends, cool, great. Let's be friends. Let's talk. I want to encourage you in your vision. But but what I want you to know is that it's it's great to have really close acquaintances um, because those close acquaintances can encourage you in your vision. What I'm talking about when I say friends, I mean inner circle. Mm -hmm. You need an inner circle of friends that are going to encourage you and help you grow into the person that God wants you to be and follow the vision that God wants you to have, right? And it's quite okay to say, I have an inner circle of really close friends, best friends. I have an outer circle of very, very close acquaintances that are borderline best friends. And then I have an outer circle which is everybody else, mm -hmm. right? That's just how life works. Jesus even had that. Yeah. Jesus had three best friends. You know that? Yeah. Peter, James, and John, three best friends. He picked 12, but only three of them got to come into the inner courts. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he loved the others any less. Yeah. But he knew who was going to be vital yeah. to the rest of the vision, right? He chose Peter because Peter was the apostle to the Hebrews. John, because John was the beloved disciple, that was going to receive the visions mm -hmm. of Revelation and James because out of all of the original 12 disciples, James was going to be the first apostle of the original 12 martyred. Mm. So we needed that encouragement, right? Mm. <clears throat> if you're the smartest person in your friend group, then it's time to find another friend group. <laughs> that is a Miles Monroe exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> And I love that because you want to be in the company of people that make you think and ask questions because that's, that's what helps you grow. If you think you know everything, that is the moment you, don't, you know nothing. That is the moment you stop learning. It's the moment you stop progressing. And when you stop progressing, decay begins. And when decay begins, you begin to rot. Right? Because that's what, I mean, that's what decay is. It's rottenness. So self-explanatory, right? Um, the people, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. This is another Miles Monroe quote that I really loved that I thought was really cool because I think we all know people like this that are unhealthy for us. People who are going nowhere want you to go there with them. Ooh. <laughs> for anyone listening, I really wish that you could see the facial expressions of everybody right now and just the reactions to all this. It's very real. Um... Here's another point that doesn't have anything to do with friends. But uh, vision determines your free time. Wow. <laughs> this is something that I wrote inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you show me your free time, I will show you your idols. If you show me your free time, I will show you exactly why you feel like you are not accomplishing what God has for your life. To the T. Um, everything you do, and I mean everything, is to be motivated by your vision. This means that the amount of free time given to entertainment and social media is minimized so that free time given to vision can be maximized. There is, hear me out, there is an amount of downtime that a person should have. 
We need to recharge. We need to rest. Right? That's what God created the Sabbath so that we could rest. We're not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for us. Right? So there is, there is an amount of free time that, that should be given to reset yourself by. For me, it's reading comic books or doing yard work or, um, you know, um, playing video games or, or something, something silly, you know. But when it, when it comes to the rest of your free time, I love the new Apple update. Because the screen time, yeah, man, I shut it down. Nine o'clock, that's when everything goes off. And I told Kate, it's funny, before the update came out, I was like, you know, about nine o'clock, I think I want to start retiring and just go and lay in bed and just read until I fall asleep. I think that's what I want to start doing because there are a lot of books that I still need to work through. Um, If I'm not putting out fires at work, I have a lot of free time, so I'm able to read and and think about vision and listen to things. but at, at home, I, I really need that time. And sure enough, 9 o'clock hits, and uh, this thing goes off. It's 9.03 now, so like you can even turn it on, and you can see how many of my apps are just completely just, just grayed, out. Yep, grayed out and shut down. I love it. I love it. It's called downtime and screen time. <laughs> Whatever. It's a thing. That's great. Um, so I, I would encourage you guys really analyze where you're spending your free time and uh, like when it comes to social media and like stuff on like if you have an iphone like it literally will track because screen time is different than like downtime and if you have like certain apps like all social media it will track how many hours per day that you're investing on social media apps and then it'll say, like, whether it's below average, and then it'll start tracking your averages. And so... Yeah, it'll give you an update every week, and you can see what that looks like. And, and it allows you, to to set limits for yourself. And it says if you go past that limit, hey, it blocks you've, already, you've already been there yep. for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever. And, I mean, just like anything, you can override it. But it gives you that... that all that is, that it's the Holy Spirit that says... Which you know what's crazy? Kate was saying this um, a couple weeks ago when she taught, but one of the big CEOs for Apple now, she's a she's a female. Oh, yeah. Lady lady dude. Um, lady dude. She's a Christian. And she's trying to bring Jesus into Apple because we I mean Steve Jobs was not a Christian by any means. Um, but she's trying to bring Jesus into that. And so I honestly think this is one of those steps because she realized what was happening. I know. Right? She is brilliant, too. Gosh, she's so cool. Um, Nothing like metrics for conviction. Oh, man. Uh, next point. Vision will determine your library. This is a big thing, okay? We live in an age where the most people in the world have been educated enough to read, and yet although we all know how to read, very few of us take the time to outside of social media, which doesn't count, and the news, which shouldn't count because it's all biased. So, my question to you guys is, what are you reading and how is it helping you grow? Because here's the thing. Intellect has always been measured from the beginning of time by how well a person reads and how much they read because knowledge is power right because of because my people lack knowledge they perish that's what the bible says right 
that perish is para. It's the same word. It's not just die as in like, I'm going to physically die. It's because of, because of lack of knowledge. My people cast off restraint. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? How much are you reading? And what are you reading? Again, there's that, there's that downtime. If, if you need to read something to, to get downtime in. I, I read comic books. I love it. But the thing about it is that when I read comic books, I ask God to show me things and teach me things through it. There's always a lesson in it. Okay? So even, even my downtime is, is purposeful. When I play video games, I play big open world games where you can make all the choices because I ask God, what kind of choice should I make? How can I learn to be more like you in this instance? Kate will oftentimes watch me play and she'll listen to me talk uh, and talk to God as I'm doing things and then laughs about it. It's entertaining. Uh, <laughs> Robbing a den of orcs. Because they're evil and I'm taking back what was taken from me. That's right. <laughs> I'm more than a conqueror. I don't just take back what was taken, I take back more. Anyway. Um, if you need help finding a library of books to help encourage you in your vision, figure out who you are, see me. I got plenty. I got plenty of books on Jesus. We can talk more about that stuff, right? Um, vision will determine your priorities. Uh, if you don't know what your priorities are or your priorities are out of whack, it's probably because you don't have vision. I want to encourage you guys. Get a vision, get your priorities in check, and then disappoint everyone that does not line up in it. Because the only way to gain true freedom, all right, Hear me, hear me closely. The only way to gain true freedom is to top, stop taking yourself so seriously. The only way you stop taking yourself so seriously is to get rid of the false expectations that you have in your head about yourself and to begin to live up to what God has called you to. But in order to do that, you have to know what kind of vision He has for your life. Do you know where all those false expectations come from? What other people expect of you. The only way to truly live free is to be okay disappointing the people around you. Because by doing that, you get rid of that fear of disappointment, that fear of failure, and you're willing to succeed at the things you're actually called to. You'll never succeed in what you're called to until you can be okay disappointing the naysayers and disappointing the people who want you to do good things rather than the right thing. <clears throat> Vision will determine your hobbies. What are your hobbies? How are they helping you in life? Seriously, think about it. Because there are some people, man, that they have real weird hobbies. Real weird. I don't know why they have them. They, they, I'm not even going to put anybody on the spot or like talk about any of the weird hobbies because I think we know. I think, I think we know when, when we found somebody who's like, man, that's, that's your hobby? Okay. That's, that's a little strange. Um, but, it's, but it's true. Your vision will determine your, your hobbies. Your vision gives you control of your life. And if you don't have one, you've lost control of your life, right? 
And that's not just the part of your life that involves this vision. No, if it's a true vision from the Lord, it's all-inclusive. It involves everything. And that's the thing that oftentimes we overlook and we don't understand. So what are your hobbies? What, what What is encouraging you? One of the reasons why I like those big open world games and the fantasy games is because they help broaden my sense of imagination in a healthy way. Because I know it's occultic, I know it's not. But in order to really have a vision and dream with God, there has to be some aspect of imagination to it. I'm not very artistic in any way but musically. And so to have a frame of reference when it comes to these big fantasy video games or the comic books that I read and and, and having that sense of awe and, and adventure, that helps me with my vision. Mm. What helps you? My hobbies are not just there because they entertain me. They're not just there because they fill me up. They're there because they help me progress along in my vision. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything else. If I can take my vision seriously, then I'll take myself less seriously. Mm. Because what I do doesn't matter to a degree as long as I'm focused on what the vision is, right? Your vision will determine the movies you watch. This is another big one, man. What are you watching? And again, like, there's that sense of downtime. I don't want to downplay that. Like, we need that rest time, okay? We need that rest time. Um, I've been watching, there are only two TV shows that I'm watching right now. One of them is Vikings. <coughs> The other one is Titans, um, which, is, which is a comic book TV show. So if you don't know what it is, that's completely okay. No, Titans, the live action one that's on DC Universe, the new live streaming station. That's how nerdy I am. They're grown up now. They've matured. They've matured. Um, yeah, so... Uh, but, but the things you watch... Help you grow or don't help you grow. Like for instance, um, is John still here? Hey. Can I put Can I put you on the spot for a second? Go ahead. John wants to write movies and probably books too. John can go into scary movies and be completely okay because they help his vision. Wow. I can't. Yeah. Mm. I deal with demons on a daily basis, helping people, and I see that enough in real life. I'm not gonna do that. Yep. Okay. The other thing is, is that I don't like to entertain a spirit of fear, and so I don't want to willingly put myself in a position where that would 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 happen. John does not have that issue, right, John? Scary movies don't really bug you, so John is able to go into things like that and be completely okay. And that's one of the things that I love about him. And like when we talk about movies and things like that, because. Scary movies fascinate me, but I know, because of my vision, I can't go in them. <laughs> it's interesting to me, the concepts that they come up with, and like the different things, and the scare tactics, and whatever. It's all super intriguing. I can't go into one. I can't watch one. Right? So, yeah. So that's John. Put John on the spot. Like, it's, it's good. Very good. Um, so, I, what you're watching, I, I encourage you, really ask yourself, why are you watching it? Yeah. You know, um, vision will determine the music you listen to as well. 
It will. Um, such a long list of bands that like I wish I could listen to them. I wish I could go back and listen to them again. Same. I miss them so bad, but I know. Yeah, I know. As soon as I turn them on, I'm like, nah. I know. I know, man. Um, so the word music comes from comes from the word muse, and the word muse means someone who brainwashes you. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why you can remember all of these musical lyrics, but you can't remember the last thing that you read. And so the type of music that you listen to is a big deal because it will brainwash you. The Bible says to meditate on the word at all times. Why is it so hard for us to remember what the Bible says, but so easy for us to remember what that negative song said? Why do we sing that negative song over our lives and put ourselves in positions of depression and self-pity, but we can't remember an encouraging Bible verse that would bring us out of all of that and help us to fight it all? Right? The vision you have determines what you're listening to, what you're putting in your ears. It's a big deal. The vision, and this is very important, alright? This is a really good one. Um, I'm going to clarify this a little bit. This is not, uh, this was not something I, I read or saw from any of the books or things that I've been reading on this. It was something that was very Holy Spirit inspired. Um, vision determines your worldly value. Your kingdom value is rooted in what Christ paid for you and how Dad created you. All right, that's your identity. That does not change. However, the way others see you isn't always rooted there. Especially when it comes to the world. And we're called to go into all of the world and make disciples, right? The world won't see your value if you're not following your vision. Because here's the thing. Your vision, all these things that your vision determines and chooses for you, Your vision does all of that so that you can become more valuable to the people around you. Get so good at your vision that people are willing to pay for it. Yep. Wow. Right? However, because most of the people who are willing to pay for things like that are from the world, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about Miles Monroe, this is, is politicians and world class leaders would pay him thousands of dollars. This Christian pastor from the Bahamas. To come and speak to their leadership teams and pour into them about vision and leadership. Why? Because he made himself so valuable in these types of teachings and talks that corporations would pay him $25,000 to come and talk to them for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. The, the greatest inspirational speaker of the 1990s, his name was Les Brown. He and Miles Monroe were like best friends. And Les Brown, who got paid millions and millions of dollars to be an inspirational speaker, told Miles Monroe that Miles was better than he was and deserved to be paid more. Mm. Because Miles made himself that valuable. So, my question to you is when it comes to your vision, are you that valuable? Do you see yourself as being that valuable? Do others see you as being that valuable? If you don't, if they don't, then maybe you haven't pursued what God has called you to hard enough. Mm 
Maybe you need to be more passionate about it. The more you pursue your vision, the more valuable you become. We don't need to seek success. Don't, do not seek success in the area of your vision. Seek value. Mm-hmm. Because the more valuable you are, the more successful you become. Yeah. Allow your vision to make you so valuable to your community that people are willing to pay to pursue it. People are willing to pay you to pursue your vision. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Can I say a testimony about that? Yeah, go for it. So, like, I've been doing worship for a while, I guess. Um, But it was always kind of one of those things I was super insecure about. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, I came from a background where schools and stuff rejected me because I wasn't good enough for their musical theater programs and, like, different stuff like that. They're like, you're just Just not good enough with the music. So I stopped saying worship for a while, but then I've been doing it. And God had been talking to me about vision. I watched another, um, if you look for another one on vision, Transformation Church has a good one about vision too. Yeah. On YouTube. But, you know, it was like, all right, God, what do you want me to do? He's like, you know, worship me and radically love my people. I'm like, well, that's real broad. (laughs) But, like, but it's made a lot of sense since then. But, like, you know, I've just been doing it. And I'm like, I don't have to get paid for it. It's whatever. But as soon as I was like, I don't have to get paid for it, I got offered to do, like, a youth retreat thing. It was because Cameron couldn't go, but I still got to go. <laughs> so so I ended up getting paid to do what I do in the living room. Like, yeah. And <clears throat> it's just one of those things where it was like, well, you know, when you stop expecting money for kingdom work, then... It and comes. Maybe it'll come your way. Yeah, I listen to the Transformation Church one too, especially the one about apostle, like apostleships and why apostles help with the vision. That felt real good. <laughs> I was like, man, I get this. <laughs> and if I can just say too, because it's so it's so obvious, just hearing different people's testimonies and my own testimony and stuff, like God is is breaking off uh, drivenness in people because it's holding when you are limited by whether or not you are capable of providing for yourself by doing the thing that you want to do. And that's something I'm struggling with so hard. And it's like, I can feel it. I can feel it breaking. But like, he wants you, like you said, to be so consumed with it that you're no longer concerned about having to charge someone to do it or how is this going to pay the bills that you just do it because it is. It's like, as soon as you break... It's it in our weaknesses that his strength is made perfect. And, and I, it's like I've seen so many miraculous testimonies, my, I mean, myself included, where as soon as I just consigned myself, like, look, I'll just do it for whatever. And yeah. then, like, people just literally <clears throat> off, like, you know, videos that I offer to do that people offer literally more, more than five times what I was mm. thinking to charge them. Mm. And they were like, if you do it for less than this, I won't respect you. And I was mm. like... Okay. Okay. <laughs> I will be respected. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, 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 just having that I have to do this because it's what I'm good at versus like I'm good at this, so I'm gonna do it. And man, just be encouraged. Yeah, so good. Um. So I got a couple more points. I was trying to in my head. So I'm not even through like the full part of this this first half. And a lot of this was kind of centered around some of the things that I was learning um, from Miles Monroe. 
Miles Monroe teaches this in an hour and 30 minutes. I'm already an hour and in, uh, and I still have next week at least another hour to go. So that just shows you how much I added and how much I was really praying about. But um, I got a couple more things before we, we close up that I want to get through. And then next week we'll start off with answering the question, who can have a vision? Because I think that's really important too. Um, so this is, this is why I said the thing about diet earlier. This is what I'm learning. Your vision determines your diet. All right, because uh, food, we can't make food an idol. And there are two ways that we do that. We either say, I can't eat anything, so I have to be on this very strict diet all the time. Or we make food an idol by saying, I can eat anything and everything that I want, no matter what it is at any point in time Mm. in the day. And that's very dangerous because we weren't created to eat 24-7. And we weren't created to eat anything and everything 24-7. There's a proper time to eat things. Uh, There's a proper time not to eat things. And there are some foods that are really meant for certain points in the day and and things like that. And and honestly, um, you know, food food is never the issue. Your spiritual condition is the issue. And if your spiritual condition is taken care of, you will eat properly Mm -hmm. and nutritionally. And it's not the sense that we should be thinking about, um, we, we shouldn't be thinking about it in legalistic terms of um, being super strict in things and going full-blown into stuff like, you know. Uh, but I know for me, I, I needed to choose to do a diet and Kate and I talked about what kind of diet I wanted to try for a little while in order to eat healthier and get the right right types of foods in, not because I want to be legalistic, but because for so long I've eaten without restraint Mm -hmm. because I wasn't keeping a vision in mind, like Mm -hmm. especially for men, because men supply the seed when it comes to creating babies, the seed and how, what goes into the seed oftentimes is more important than what's in the egg. Mm -hmm. And so men, if we're not taking care of ourselves, if we're not eating healthily, if we, if we aren't um, working out, if we aren't taking care of our bodies, our seeds hurt in that area. So that's just another thing entirely. And then we produce children that have a predisposition to not be okay because of that type of stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, the other thing about it is that like, if you truly have a vision that the Lord has given you, it's not a one and done thing. Your vision constantly grows and progresses. And in order to see it completely through, you have to make sure you're being healthy unto the Lord so that you live a full life. That's important. Because God didn't just come to redeem the spirit. He didn't just come to redeem the soul. He came to redeem the body as well. It's a full-blown package. Right? Vision determines how you invest your money. If you are poor all the time, my question is, where are you spending your money? Because I know a lot of people that make excuses about not having money, and every time I see them, they're out spending money on food at a restaurant. Mm. Most of the time, very fancy restaurants. Or they're spending food on... Nothing. Yeah, on nothing. Like, they're spending... What did I say spending food? Spending money. They're spending money on... On... Uh, on um, spontaneous, spontaneously buying things all the time. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to and I've had to be like, look, you need to stop buying stuff. This is bad for you. This is why you don't have money. You don't need this. (laughs) Um, 
How does this help you in your life? It doesn't. Why are you doing it? Money, the love of money is the root of all evil. However, money is a great way to achieve your vision. And I'm not saying you love money for the sake of loving money. I'm not saying you love money at all. I'm saying you be wise about it because money should not determine your life. Vision determines your life, which means it determines how you spend your money. And if your vision is determining how you spend your money, then you will know when to be frugal, but also when to be generous. Does that make sense? Yeah. Vision determines your attitude in life. If you want to have a bad attitude, never achieve a vision. Because then you just, you're in a state of constantly perishing. You're in a state of decay. You don't feel good about yourself. You hate yourself. Your life is spiraling out of control. What am I doing? Why am I here? Who am I? Where am I going? What am I here for? None of those questions get answered. But if you have a vision, guess what? You end up knowing who you are. Because you have to know who you are in order to have a vision. You end up knowing why you're here. You end up knowing where you're going. And you know what you were created for. Right? When you have a vision, you don't have time to be pessimistic. Because pessimism is the enemy of your vision. You need to be optimistic. God tells us to get our hopes up and we'll never be disappointed. The times where you've gotten your hopes up and you've been disappointed, I would like to challenge you in that. It's probably because it's not, it wasn't really hope. It was wishful thinking. And wishful thinking and hope are not the same thing. Hope is uh, the um, a consistent expectations of good and godly things to happen. That's what faith is the basis of. You cannot have faith without hope. Because in order to have faith, you have to expect God is going to move and do things. But in order to expect God to move and do things, you have to have hope. Right? Mm -hmm. Faith is the insurance of things hoped for. You, You don't have time to be a pessimist or a narcissist if you have vision. Right? And my final thing before we close tonight is that vision determines your values. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just determine your worldly value and how people see you. It determines your values as a whole. What do you value in life? And that's different than your priorities, right? Because my prior- my priorities are God first, my worship, my, devo- my devotion to Him, my ministry to Him, my wife, right? My, minist- my ministry or, or identity house, the identity network, the things that we're doing here, my job, and serving the goings, and two maids and a mop, um, and then everything else after that, you know. And friends are in that list somewhere. De- depends on the day and what part of the vision I'm acting in, right? But like, those are my priorities. But what I value is different. I value righteousness. I value honesty. I value passion and commitment. Um, I value the truth. I value friendship. I value love. I value mercy. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is a, is a great way to determine your values. Right? I value joy. I value peace. Um, and because I value those things, I know what I don't value. I know what, what is an enemy to my values. Lying. Distrust. 
um, hatred, bitterness, things like that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, um, with that, we will close tonight. Um, hour 15. Dang it. I was so open so to close. get under an hour. Uh, um, getting there. Um, before I pray us out, does anybody have any questions, comments, concerns? Uh, I, I wanted to share real quick, though, about hope. Like We just got through a series at the chapel, and that whole distinction is that it Americanized or, or Anglicized hope. We understand hope as wishful thinking. Like mm-hmm. We I mean, I hope I get that job. I, I hope we use that word hope as wishful thinking, but mm-hmm. biblically, it had nothing to do with I hope. It was no, no, no. I know this is going to happen. I just have no, I have no sight of it. Yeah. And so, literally, I mean, hope is intrinsically connected biblically to vision because hope required you to see something without seeing it. Mm-hmm. And so, un, unlearning and untranslating hope as man, I hope I get this thing was like no, 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 no. no. I have, I have to, I mean, it's the way you said it, you have to separate wishful thinking from hope. Yeah. And it's a whole lot more than you think it is. Yeah. That's really good. I like that a lot. Yes, Stephanie. Okay. Um, so something that really kind of stuck with me that I noticed a lot, especially with people kind of like in the church, they have like an idea about like what they want to do or like God's given them a vision, but they're kind of scared to take it to the streets, if you will, because they don't want to get swept up in yeah. You know, but like for me, when you were saying, you know, like vision determines your friends and things, like I, I have people that I consider friends that are not, not walking with the Lord at all. Um, but because now I've attached what I do and how I act to God's vision for me, it's easier to go into situations and like be steadfast to what God's called me to do. So, like, I just don't want people to get kind of trapped in, like, that box to be afraid to actually go out and fulfill their vision and, like, be around. But that there's a huge difference between the people that you spend time with versus, like, people who are your community, like, of Mm -hmm. believers. So, like, the people that are outside of that, you know. There's a a big difference between friendship and fellowship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably... I yes. probably could have worded that better. Yeah. Uh, a vision determines your fellowship. Yeah. yeah. Um, and oftentimes where you're at in life determines your friendship. Because I have friends at work that um, are not believers and that I wouldn't fellowship with outside of work. Yeah, I just wanted to say that yeah. as like a clarification mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's really good. It's a good clarification. Yeah. Friendship, uh, division determines your fellowship, who you're fellowshipping with, who's encouraging you. Who you're doing life with. Because just because you have friends doesn't mean that you're doing life with them. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So, um, yeah. Any, anything else? I had a question. Mm-hmm. If you have friends who, like, encourage your vision and your walk with God, but they aren't doing the right things and they aren't walking with God, will that always bring you down? Mm. That's a really good question. That's a super good question. It may not at it may not bring you down at first, but eventually, because you're walking two different paths, you either have to compromise your walk with the Lord in order to walk with them, or they have to give up what they believe and basically get saved. 
so they can continue to walk with you. And you can still be friends with them later on in life. Like they can be acquaintances. But that deep friendship that you might have now, it will eventually disappear because you're doing two different things. You're going two different directions. And um, whether you want it to or not, they will fall away from you. And I say that with a lot of experience in that matter. Um, you know, I had a friend uh, years ago. We, we, uh, I kind of grew up in the Lord with him. He became one of my really close friends just as I got saved. And, you know, um, we went through all of college and even a little bit after college together. And um, we were great friends, man. And, and uh, you know, one day he revealed to me this sin in his life that had been a secret and decided to continue to follow that sin and still remain a Christian. And, um, that sin eventually drove him so far away from God that he started leaving me in the dust as well. And then eventually he got a job in a city, um, that was not Richmond and moved away. And, uh, now we don't talk. So, you know, I don't say that to scare you or to make you feel bad. I just want you to know what you're in for, you know. And, like, if God's called you to those people in order to minister to them, do it, man. Do it as long as he's called you there. Um, but, you know, also be wise about it, too. You know, really listen. That way you, you don't get burned as, more than you need to by those people. Does that make sense? I mean, you already touched on it with failure. Talking about, like, people aren't failure, but you'll know them by the fruits. Yeah. So, I mean, like you already yeah. said, if you're already identifying the fruit, I mean, that's that's the hardest thing. Is you can you can work in the moment, like you said, but if, it, if it's feeling like they've got more influence on you than you do on them, you you, ha- you it's your responsibility to make that decision. Yeah. yeah, that's a big thing. So... I think it just has to do also just your investment level with them. Mm-hmm. Because, like... There are people that I talk to that, like, they will encourage me. They see what I'm doing. They'll encourage me in all the good. And then their life is not that great fruit-wise. Now, I still can consider them a friend and an acquaintance. But it doesn't mean that I have to invest a lot of my time, energy, resources into a relationship with them when I know that it's going to be more of like a gift where I'm going to be giving a whole lot more and they're just going to be taking and taking and taking. I was not saying, oh, completely cut that person off. It may get to that point. You don't know. Like, you're going to have to see. But that's like one of those trust things where you're like, all right, God, where is this actually going? Is this relationship benefiting me? And, you know, a lot of the times, like, if they reject you, especially if they know that, like, you are walking with the Lord. A lot of the time, they don't even know, but they're they're just rejecting like the light that they mm-hmm. kind of see in you. Yeah, and so that's something that I had to learn to not take personally because I always wanted to bring people in, but then I wanted to keep them, mm-hmm. even though I was supposed to send them back out. Yeah. But I wanted <laughs> them to stay. Yep. But um, but yeah, I, I you know. I, I hang out with people who, who do some really not great things, but I'm not going to throw my fellowship time and my community, you know, if I'm having a bad day and I really, really want to hang out with somebody, I'm probably going to hang out with somebody 
going to walk with the Lord and is going to encourage me and walk with me on that level. Yeah. Good. Cool, cool, cool. Good job trying to find. I guess. <laughs> Scripture. All right. Well, if uh, nobody has anything else, I'm going to pray. Good. Well, Dad, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for what your word has to say about vision and how it affects our lives. Um, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for part one. We're excited for part two next week and for picking up with part two. Um, Thank you for the season that we're in. I pray for everybody in this room and everybody listening to this teaching that they, Lord, Dad, Give them a vision for their life. Show them what you've called them to do and empower them by your grace to stick with it. Um, I just, I pray that I bless everyone who's here tonight with that. Um, And two, just, I just want to encourage everybody too, Dad, that they would think about really where they want this church to go over the next, over the next year, because that's what we're going to be talking about in two weeks is, is our idea of church and, and where the church is going in the next year. And um, So I just I, I just bless everybody with that. I want to encourage everybody with that. Lord, I just pray that you continue to keep them and bless them this week. And uh, we give you all the honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.